0: About the Church Podcast, episode number 60. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of About the Church. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And my name is D.G. Hollins. And today we have in the studio, back for a second time... Special co-host, Keith A. Rainey. Hello, Keith.
1: Well, hey, good to see you guys. Good to be back.
0: We're glad to have you here. All right, so... You
2: got like a like a ring announcer name. Did. That was yeah. cool. The only thing
0: I wanted <laughs> to... Wayne in,
1: at Yeah, exactly. Was
0: I was going to do Keith A. Rainey. What? Anyway, but <laughs> any I didn't do that. <laughs> Until just now. <laughs> then I did it. I wasn't
2: going to, but I just did. So I yeah. just did it.
0: And that wasn't exactly the effect I was going for. I was going something, I think, more like that. No, we will forget it. <laughs> My, I rearranged the studio. Exactly. The- <laughs> you're
2: still getting used to it, you're getting comfortable with
0: yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Anyway, welcome.
0: Keith, I'm glad to have you back, man.
1: It's good to be here. I'm, I'm really pleased, actually, that you asked me back after I came the first time, so that's at least a confidence booster.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, man. We we enjoyed it, and I think um, everybody else did. Uh, not sure if DG had an opportunity yet, but uh, didn't yet, no. we we uh, talked about God making sense, the logical approach to thinking about God, and and uh, not necessarily trying to prove that he exists, but logically thinking about it. And today, we are back in the studio, and of course we have, once again, as is the typical format of our show, we have no clue <laughs> what we're going to talk about. We, we are
2: clueless. <laughs> we are
0: clueless, and we like it that way. Because you know why I like that? I'm lazy, and I hate to do pre-show preparation. Nice. I like to shoot from the hip. <laughs> keith over there when when i when he was he asked me on and and when i was associate pastor every now and then they'd ask me to preach yeah and i'm like oh please no because when i preach i have to, i have to prepare you know why, oh, yeah. why can't i just share can i get just give a testimony
1: Are you prepared yes I oh no, yeah. thank you <laughs> nice that was awesome
2: nice <laughs> Just kidding. You did a great job. So uh, <laughs> that's why we never asked you back. <laughs> How many times did you breach? <laughs> Come to think about it. Yeah. No. Those 17 times. So, DG,
0: I hear that you went to some kind of conference and got your butt kicked or something. Uh, well, <laughs>
2: no. Uh, well, tell us what happened a, it there. It was just a challenging conference. I don't know if anyone's ever read uh, Phyllis Tickle's new book, The Great Emergency. Phyllis Diller? Phyllis Tickle. Oh, Tickle. Yes. Like Mielmo. Yes. Gotcha. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah. Everyone went and got tickled by the tickle, Uh, but she's, uh, she's Episcopalian, Um, but, um, but she's, you know, under the title of emergent or emerging and stuff like that. So, but it was basically put on by all the emergent people, Doug pageant and Tony Jones and, um, those kinds of people. And so it was, um. A really unique conference, talking about Phil Tickle's new book, The Great Emergence. So, very cool. They had a whole bunch of different speakers and a bunch of authors and stuff like that. But
0: so, t- tell me, you you said you went there and and you had you you used some descriptive words before the show started in our pre-show kind of uh, discussion. What what did you say and and, and well, explain what you meant?
2: I think it was just it was it was one of my it wasn't the first time I've been exposed to the emergent emerging. Uh, different kinds of people and stuff like that but phyllis does such a good job in her book about bringing a historical understanding about where we are right now and what's going on with the church right now um that i found it it was just it was just really interesting and very thought-provoking of of a lot of the stuff that they were talking about and and i'm still not completely sold on all that stuff but um it was just a really great discussions and and things like that that were going on and I can give you the gist of her book. I mean, I think I've told you this once. I'm not sure. But the gist of her book is basically every 500 years, the church goes through – they have a rummage cell is is (laughs) is their terminology. And um, Martin Luther was the last one that actually went through that – that was that 500-year period. And uh, part of the rummage cell is dealing with authority. Where do we find our authority? And Martin Luther said, our authority is no longer going to be found in a a papal – a pope but we're going to we're going to say sola scriptura it's it's going to be found in the in the words the inspired words of God in the bible and um and she's basically saying that that 500 years of sola scriptura is it's kind of going away with in the world that we live in today it's not throwing out scripture it's just asking about the authority of scripture and what exactly is the place of scripture and i think that i think and she wasn't you know of course <laughs> No one really wants to say what the future is going to be like unless they just have this amazing profit, profitability uh, and everyone's just shying away from profits. They just, I mean, no one really wants to admit that they're going to be a futuristic understanding of a profit. Uh, but I think profits have current understandings as well as future as well. Mm-hmm. But um, but it's, it was just – it was really, really interesting to be able to hear what she's saying. And, and she basically just says that the issue – the authority issue this time, instead of it being a pope – basically uh I remember she quoted somebody she said that when what all martin luther did is he he basically exchanged a person pope with a paper pope <laughs> and saying that here the scripture is now our new pope and um <clears throat> i'm sorry man i've got this like oh this you're throwing thing going on so i apologize to everybody else out there um and she basically is just saying um, maybe there's maybe there's more than just the scripture, and and this is where me as a Wesleyan comes in with the quadrilateral, and we've talked about that before with scripture, tradition, reason, and experiences, all different understandings, of being able to find out is that authority correct, and why is it authority? You know, why does it have authority um, <clears throat> stuff? So did you but just, it was just turn into
0: like uh, Andy Griffith?
2: No, it's a South Park guy. I think. Oh, okay. I think oh, it sounds no, like Andy Griffith The people Griffin who to love me. the people who love South Park around me, they always say "authorita." <laughs> I think it's one of the characters. That it's either says Colonel Sanders that. or Andy Griffith <laughs> to me. Anyway, I hope Andy Griffith doesn't say it that way. It'd be more like Barney. <laughs>
1: yeah, it'd be more like
2: Barney. <laughs> um, but anyway, so um, um, so basically, that's the that's the that's the gist of it. And, uh, and she really – she did a great job of basically just – put she put up this quadrant, four-quadrant thing that she called the quadrilateral. But she basically said you have the conservative evangelicals in the bottom right corner. You have the super high liturgical on the top left corner, which would be the Episcopalians and Roman Catholics and stuff like that. And then you have uh, the Renewalists and Pentecostals in the bottom left corner. And then you have the social justice um, – you know, mainline, as is, 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 uh, Professor Alan always wants to label me, <laughs> in the top right corner. And she basically just says what's going on right now is there is, there is a merging of the church and, and an emerging of the church that's actually drawing away from the corners of those to a center that uh, you're finding people that normally would have been pretty opposite sides. You're, you're finding um, – hardcore evangelical and conservatives that are really appreciating liturgical stuff and praying mm-hmm. the hours. And then you're also finding the finding the Pentecostal um, um, renewalists that are really loving social justice. And, and you're just finding this amalgamation of what's going on in the center there. And she says it's a lot of times it, it, it's kind of going in that, in, in a specific direction, but sometimes you'll find people that go a different direction, but she's calling it a new rose. And, um, and rose is a, kind of a terminology that I think that was used during Martin Luther and the and the, the Reformation stuff. Um, finding a new center and finding a new rose, and she, basically she, she, she's drawing a new rose. It's just really interesting stuff. And I, you know, of course, it took an entire conference to be able to get it all out of her right. and <laughs> a book. So I don't think we're going to be able to talk about all that stuff right now. But there were a lot of really important issues that I think that are needing to be dealt with in the church. Uh, right. right now. And these people are basically saying, well, you can cut our heads off if you want to, but we're going to we're going to do the best we can to have a discussion about it. So, it's well, interesting.
0: I, I think it's good to have a discussion, although I will say that, you know, growing up in the last well, within the last 500 years, obviously, yes, just in case you guys were wondering uh, <laughs> my experience in the church. Uh, but basically knowing that just what has been around for the last 500 years has been what I've been indoctrinated with i mean it's where i have picked up my doctrine and what i believe and and so what's awkward about this idea of transitioning into you know something different than what i've always grown up with is sometimes it's it not saying that it is because i recognize that it's not basically reinventing my faith or reinventing the the religion but at the same time it it's sometimes it's, it feels that way it 's like wait a second i 've I've pretty much been working my entire life to try to wrap my my mind around these things that have been taught, and i 'm starting to grasp it and now you 're telling me you want to change that.
2: <laughs> Does anybody else have an issue with that, or is it just me well no, no and that's, and that 's what she also says too is you know while some people are going towards the center and they 're actually becoming a little bit of everything. Um, in reality, there are also there there are different rings and different levels of mm-hmm. people's <clears throat> involvement within that. And she called people like me hyphenateds, where um, you know, it, and it's the Presby dash emergent and the Anglo dash emergent and the Metho dash not Meth but meth- metho thank you thank you for the clarification. <laughs> oh yeah, they all wanted clarification on the Meth emergent. <laughs> <laughs> Meth emergent. Yeah, uh, right. we uh, we we said that we need to call our website if we ever create one, the Meth Emergent Lab. The meth. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, it was they were like, well, you'll reach a group of people.
0: <laughs> I bet you that youth group will always have new people joining oh, well, all the time.
2: I, I, I think I told you this. That in the at the Kentucky annual conferences last year, there was a, a group of campers. They're like RV, you know, older couples that go in RV and they're Methodist and they call themselves the Kentucky Meth Campers.
0: Really, I'm dead serious.
2: That is so (laughs) funny, and it just shows the RV parks, you know. You're just
1: going. Oh, they really need to change their name. People stopping by with cash in hand. All the oh time.
2: yeah. Hey, you're the Kentucky meth campers. Whoa. We love cooking meth too. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: anyway.
0: Well, hey, in the chat room, uh, Jonathan wrote in there. It says, "Hey, you could end up in the same place, Cliff. It's all about the process, not the place. Uh, you're uh, mm-hmm. wrapping your mind around it is the same as as the process. So I totally get what he's saying there, and and I understand it's it's about a journey, not necessary not necessarily where I decide to, to put the stakes in the ground. Sure.
1: And I'm not so much sure that it's a transition as much as it is uh, an evolution. Right. You know, you're, you're not necessarily going to transition to something that is different than what you've known. What you're going to do, the natural human response is to either either move toward something or move away from something. So you're going to move toward what you relate to and, and it's going to evolve and it's going to change, etc. And that's that circle that she's talking about as it right. comes into the middle. People are moving toward... They're they're experiencing things that maybe they didn't see before, and say, "Well, you know, I like this. I I think this fits with what with what I believe." So you're seeing a a a gravitation toward the center. But then you got some people, as she said, that say, "Nope, I'm going to be hard nosed about this. I'm not going to go along with this." So they're actually going to move away from the center. She
2: calls those people corner dwellers. Mm -hmm. You know, in her little square box there. Instead of going towards the center, they're going to stay in the corner. And she says that that's uh, brought around seven to ten percent of each of those different corners. Whether sure. you're conservative, evangelical, you're gonna only seven to ten percent of you are gonna just stay in that corner and say, no way you guys are completely off your rock, you're 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 gonna burn a hill. You know? And <laughs> and, and
1: those folks will find each other. They oh, will yeah. find each oh, other. Sure they, will. It always happens. sure they will. Yeah.
2: But it was just it was really, really interesting. And she had different levels of, you know, of involvement towards the center. Uh ones that are just away from that corner and then some other ones and then, you know, and then hyphenated and then you got the um, the emergence and stuff. And she'll tell, she'll tell everybody. I really don't think I consider myself an emergent compared to Doug, uh, Doug or Tony, uh, which <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm right there with her to think they're a little bit too far. Right. <laughs> but, um, but it's still interesting to be able to have these conversations, especially when there is just this welling up of a new, a new way of being within, especially denominations, and um, and I'm and I'm sensing it, and I think there's a bunch of other people that are sensing it, but they would like to be able to have some form of community in the midst of that. So, what do you yeah. think?
1: What do you think is driving this? Well, I, I think everything is driving it. Um,
2: Phyllis actually brings in a bunch of science in the midst of it, and just says, you know, as soon as we as soon as we found out that there is something called matter and energy, <laughs> that is something we're not that we can't see, but it still mm-hmm. is in existence with magic, magnetic fields and stuff like that. Then you start opening up and saying, wait a second, you know, maybe things aren't as black and white as what we all think it is. And then she brings in relativity. I mean, she really does. I mean, she used to be a, a science uh, mm-hmm. kind of person. So it's really interesting to see how she's basically saying the culture is actually bringing about new insights and new thoughts that, that forces the church to be able to say, well, wait a sure. second, let's think about these things, too. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um she she actually says that nine eleven was a big huge event uh, in the mindset of of Christians as well as everyone all over, all over the world, and, forcing us to be able to say wait a second, <laughs> what is secure, where is authority, all kinds of different things like that, and um, and so she's that's what she brings about. I really honestly think that my my generation, and I think there are other people that are not, and it's it's beyond generations. It really is just a thought kind of a thing, but they're – you know, they're living in the world. This is the first time in a long time that the church is actually waking up to realize, oh, I think we've lost touch with the world beyond the walls of the church. And, sure. and they're they're actually starting to realize, hey, I can have conversations and discussions with the world. But if I have those conversations and those discussions, it's really not super effective to quote the Bible. Like we were talking about, you know, that's what y'all were talking about the last time. I'm going to quote the Bible to prove the Bible. Yeah. Mm-mm. It's not going to work out that way, and so um, and so you there is a place for scripture, but and this and this is my starting to be my answer. But you also have a quadrilateral with reason, experience, and tradition, and let's look at all those different things to be able to find out uh, what's going on and where you know and, and those things like that. And I think that the people that are beyond the walls they can really appreciate that a lot more than just quoting scripture or scripture 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 scripture. scripture. And and when I was in seminary, they actually talked about the quadrilateral in that. Uh, the The foundation is Scripture of uh, mm-hmm. the quadrilateral. Then you have Scripture, you have Scripture from the foundation, tradition, reason, and experience, and you use all those to be able to figure out what's authority. I think what's happening is, is and that's and when I was in seminary, I made sure that line of Scripture was a lot longer than the other ones. <laughs> yeah, and I think what's going on is that line is slowly becoming equal to the other ones. Hmm. Uh, that's my explanation of kind of what's going on. Um, and so, and, and, and my professor in seminary would tell you, Wesley never meant for it to be longer, (laughs) but it's still, it's still the foundation of it all, but it's becoming the same size as the rest of them. I think that's what, that, that's the only way I can be able to describe it and explain it in my own words.
0: Well, Professor Allen in the chat rooms asked the question, he says, so Cliff, why do you assume that what you've always been taught is perfectly correct? And, uh, that's a good point. However, there, there, is some, there is some logic in my, my some assumptions is that after thousands of years with the availability of all prior research and building upon knowledge and building upon knowledge, it, I guess it would be my hope that somebody would be able to determine some things that are just flat out true and will be true 2,000 years ago, 500 years ago, will be true today and still true 150 years from now. And so what I struggle with is the difference of you know I've you know such a you know we're talking and, and, and I don't <clears throat> definitely want don't want to bring the cat right back out of the bag but uh, is that well, even the okay. right analogy <laughs> but but the, the the fact of the homeless is,
2: is the cat alive in the box no I'm just joking. Sorry.
0: well here here's the thing <laughs> we'll, we'll be the dead horse how's that
1: <laughs> in the bag
0: in the bag. But the, the 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 idea that um, homosexuality has always been in my from what I've learned is that this is something that is not approved by Scripture. It is not something that um, you know. It, it, it it's something that is you you can't call yourself a, uh, a Christian who is following Christ and be a homosexual at the same time. It's just something that I've come to understand over time. It's just that. It, it, Okay, that's that's not true. See, I can back myself into a corner here because right. and the that, fact is, is gluttony is no different. Okay. But,
2: but, okay. but that's why I'm wearing but, here to but, help you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but here's the, here's the deal. Okay, here's what I struggle with. Okay, so let, let, let's let go ahead and equate homosexuality as a, as a sin des, as described by Scripture and gluttony. So I understand that I can be a Christian and still sometimes overeat on a frequent basis. And still maintain my Christian, my Christian faith and a relationship with God. I understand that. But what I understand, though, is that I recognize my gluttony as a sin.
2: Right, and
0: so what I'm saying is, is what I've seen, and let, and let me see if I can more accurately state what I'm saying here. Is how can somebody now? I, I see this transition of people who say, "Well, you're not interpreting Scripture completely correctly," and so therefore, it, a homo, it's perfectly fine for a practicing homosexual who sees nothing wrong. They do not consider it to be a sin because they don't have place full authority in Scripture. Uh, Scripture was, you know, it's it's a little bit of this, it's a little bit of that. And it's completely okay for a uh, practicing homosexual to not consider homosexuality a sin and to continue to even minister and, and pastor a church. And see, those are the kinds of things that are just... It, it just becomes all fuzzy and and, and and it just seems like you know there's this foundation that I understood of right and wrong and things that that are that and, and then all of a sudden when I see it it, it just appears and, I'm, and and my faith is stronger than than what I can understand, but it just appears that just so much of the stuff I've learned over time seems to just be that foundation is 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 starting to crack, if you will.
2: Yeah, and and she chime in if you want to. I mean, yeah. this, anytime you want to. Uh, that's and that's basically one of the issues that she talks about. She basically just says, and and you know, and this is not this is nothing new. I, I really don't think this is new. I mean, I was hearing this stuff in seminary, and this is way 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 back. But you know, most of those those to those people, and <laughs> I'm putting quotes to those people, what they would say their argument for that would be, okay, well, we had to deal with with slavery, uh-huh. which the Bible does not necessarily completely condone. And yet, we have basically said this is not this is not what it should be. Um, then we dealt with women's rights issues, and then we dealt with divorce. Yep, so, and, and and remarriage. And she's basically and, and she, So the next step is homosexuality, that, and they're basically putting homosexuality in those same kinds of 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 um, you know topics or whatever else. And 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 you know, and she basically says, and she she's pretty honest and open about this. She goes, once homosexual issue has been taken care of, and she says, and it will. <laughs> to and going, when she says
0: "taken care of," meaning that okay, finally we're going to come to the point where we right. understand, we're just going to accept it.
2: Yeah, I think that's what she was saying. Yeah, she didn't come out and say it, but I think that's that's my assumption. That's what she was saying. All right, but she was basically just saying then, 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 and and once again, these are all sub issues to the authority of Scripture, right? And that's that's really the, what the issue is to me is the authority of Scripture. How much authority are we going to give the Scripture? Um, and 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 how much have we allowed it to give the authority to the scripture and, and things like that right and so that's and that's you know and that, that's not a new thing I mean that's that has been the um and I'm not saying argument but the way of 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 coming to an explanation about homosexual being just fine. Well, has what, been has been women's issues, divorce, slavery. Right. We dealt with all those all those issues. The next the last big one is homosexuality.
0: Right. And so so and and I love the fact that we can now take it away from the the topic of uh, homosexuality. You brought it up and it's going on in the in the chat room as well. Uh is is the topic of divorce. I remember when gosh back 10 years ago the thought of any main main mainline evangelical or any any denomination, the the idea of having somebody who was divorced as an ordained as an elder within a congregation it was it was either it either wasn't going to happen or there had to be some circumstances that had to be I mean looked into carefully and stuff like that. Whereas today it seems that it's just you know divorce isn't necessarily that scarlet letter A that it used to be. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. And and so somebody Professor Allen even wrote in the church. It, it says in the and the and the word it says I hate divorce declares the Lord Almighty. Well, is that script? Is that is that what God? says Or is it not? And then there's the the recommend or not the recommendations or or is it the recommendations? Maybe it is the recommendations. But the recommendation to the church and Timothy, the, you know, these are the people who ought to be elders and and deacons, and they ought to be the husband of but one wife. And I mean, so do we just toss that out? And now we just you know, if you're divorced, you know, it's, it's we recognize well if we want pastors or whatever, we're going to have to accept
2: somebody because everybody's getting divorced these days. I mean, is that what's going on? You know, you're, you're just asked a bunch of questions, and that's yeah. all part of that issue. You know? Well,
1: and, and, and the whole concept of I hate divorce, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that he doesn't like it. He hates what's going on, and I understand that. Sure, and God hates uh, abuse. He hates, mm-hmm. um, he hates infidelity. He hates all sorts of things because they hurt his people. Right. I mean I hate when my child has something negative happen to him. Sure. Regardless of whether it is. I hate it because it brings suffering to my child and I don't like to see that kind of suffering. So to say God hates divorce is very true and very accurate, but not nowhere in that scripture does God say I hate the person who has been divorced. Exactly. That's a key that's a key differentiator there. And and I and I say that the same thing is
0: true of homosexuality. Absolutely. However, the question becomes I understand that God's not hating the person who has created that has has uh, committed this sin, but my question is, when it comes to the church, is you know the accepting of somebody in a place of authority or or mm-hmm. in in a position of leadership, especially that of the pastor or or
1: or what have you? Well, when you when you talk about someone being in a position of leadership, their character matters. Okay. So, things like divorce, things like sin in their life, things that they may be participating in, even reputation matters, mm-hmm. all of these, all of those things are important to people in leadership um, for a variety of reasons. So when we talk about how does divorce enter into uh, the the choosing of leaders in the church, obviously, it has to be something that is considered. But has God ever said, mm, "Cut it off right here"? If you're divorced, you're obviously from here on out, you're never going uh, to be able to serve as a leader in the church.
0: And and I and and I, I'll be. I just want to declare to people out there that I, I'm not one of those people that that agree that you know the the, the <clears throat> and that's why I'm wondering if it, it's the it was a recommendation that Paul wrote to Timothy. And I think it was Timothy, right?
1: Well which recommendation are you talking about?
0: It, it, the, the talk, it talks about in here are he says, you know, when you're choosing elders, here you know, make sure their house is in order that they're husband of one wife. Husband of wife, wife. Yeah,
1: that that's not that's not a divorce issue. Okay. That's husband of one wife.
0: Okay. Oh okay. So it's it's a polygamy issue.
1: Well polygamy or infidelity or faithfulness or things of that nature. Okay. Uh, it, it's not specifically just divorce okay. in that particular situation.
0: But divorce may be included.
1: It can be. Sure. Okay. It needs to be a part of the the looking at an individual's character. Yes. When you consider that individual to ordain them or put them in any position of leadership, it needs to be considered. Is it a criteria, specific criteria that says, okay, check this box if you've been divorced, you're automatically disqualified? No. Okay, so but if somebody
0: who was in a position of authority or was seeking out a position uh, such as of leadership, let's just say instead mm-hmm. of authority, let's get toss that word out of this equation right. for just a moment. Um, but if somebody was uh, um, applying for leadership of a of of a ministry within the church, and they were actively pursuing a relationship outside of that of their um marriage.
1: Okay. Adultery, adultery, okay
0: Okay. and as such, would that person be able to um, become a should that person be able to become a
1: leader within the church? Well, I think it's all about it's all about redemption. It's all about where their standing today is. Now, you know I know I said earlier that that their character needs to be examined and it does. but when it comes down to it, it's what is their standing today? Yeah, Where are they at today with the Lord? Um, you know, people, whether they be in leadership positions or not, make poor choices. They do things that hurt themselves, hurt others, and many of the times that the things we're talking about many times, those are called sin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay? Is that person in a position, you know, in the today, is that person in a position that says, you know what, yeah, that was probably a bad idea, but you know, I don't really care. It's not that big a deal. Uh, folks, just get over it. Or does that person have a real sense of repentance, godly sorrow, things of that nature? There's a big distinction between those two things. Well,
0: I understand that. But let's just say faithful wife for years mm-hmm. and and the husband is dating the secretary on a consistent basis, not demonstrating a, uh, a, a repentant heart. But at the same time, you know, basically feels absolutely no no condemnation or no conviction, if you will, over it. They, he doesn't he just does not feel like it's inappropriate. That person
1: has poor judgment. OK,
0: so so the thing is, then, then my question and I bring it back to homosexuality is what it, it, it I, I'm, I'm having a hard time making this leap, understanding the lack of poor judgment here it i mean is i mean obviously i think around this table we all pretty much agreed and i think maybe that's a little bit more difficult so I, i'd love to have somebody who who's on the other side of the fence kind of explain to me how how they make, make that leap and if they just don't they don't agree
1: with this this you know so are are you saying your question is is along the lines of we, we we look at divorce and we see the negative there. We look at homosexuality. We don't see the negative there, or or we're willing, or is it the other way around, where we're willing to accept people who have been divorced, but we're not willing to accept homosexuals? Exactly, it's I mean, the second, the second one. one. Yeah, okay, it's for him. Yeah. Okay, yeah,
2: yeah so, so, and, so, and, and, and exactly. I mean, welcome to the wrestling. You know, <laughs> and, and that's and that's exactly what's going on in, in these conferences and stuff like that. Is they're basically saying, hey, wait, okay, let's let's take a look at this. Like for example, for me, I, I, I want to love the person and not the sin. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and so if I see someone who has homosexual tendencies but are not acting upon them, mm-hmm. uh, they and they would call themselves a homosexual. Okay, and you know, would you <laughs> would you say? Wow, Sorry about that. That's uh, okay. We have a tweet. Oh, okay, <laughs> I was like, man, something just happened. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs>
0: Stephanie um, – oh, by the way, Stephanie is making a grocery list. She plans on going uh, bright and <laughs> early tomorrow morning without any tag-alongs, just in case anybody's wondering.
2: Nice. In other words, <laughs> none of my kids are going but, with me and definitely not my husband.
0: There you go. <laughs> and I'll turn off my Twitter updates. Now.
2: Okay, okay. But but so, so the issue is, okay, so let's take this individual who claims to be homosexual, has homosexual tendencies, is not in a relationship and is trying and attempting to not um, actually act upon those things. So do I let that person join the church? Join the church?
0: Absolutely. Okay.
2: Lead the church is my question. Do I let that person be baptized?
1: You know, what you're describing is someone who has said to you that I have homosexual tendencies. Yes, and they call themselves homosexual. They call themselves a homosexual because that's that's a decision they've made in their mind to call themselves a homosexual based on – the fact that they believe they have homosexual tendencies. Sure. So in other words, that is something that maybe generates a desire in them, generates an emotion in them, mm-hmm. generates a, uh, a sense of feeling in them, generates what we could even call it a temptation in them. Sure. No, oh, okay? yeah, definitely. Um, so they're calling themselves a homosexual. Yes. All right. Are you calling them a homosexual? Uh, you know, the...
2: I, it's really not up for me to be able to make sure that I, I, you know, I that this is the issue. Where does where does judgment come into play, and where well, does a reality of character I, come into play? I, I, and that's
1: the issue: is the reality of character is is what we are asked to be able to attempt to figure out. See, when I ask the question, "Are you calling them a homosexual?" I'm not even asking you to judge, because right. I want us to think about what that term means to be a quote homosexual. Exactly. Right, exactly. It, it's,
0: it's it's like you know what? Sometimes I think about cooking. I have the tendency to want to uh, bake a cake. But doesn't I never do. does it make you a cook. I am not a cook. Right. I have tendencies. And right. sometimes I have a strong desire to go upstairs and make something. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes I dabble with it. <laughs> now that's, that's going to be a sound bite You're that's correct, taken yeah, out. Okay. That, that one's <laughs> sometimes. Like someone just like, yes.
2: <laughs> Thank you, God.
0: <laughs> sometimes I go up and try my hands in the kitchen. But I am not. A cook, right? Well, it, it, a cook but, is somebody in my mind, or a chef, or or somebody that carries a per that that a title, if you sure, will, sure. is somebody who is consistently ongoing practicing that thing. So it is I practice. Think, it is practice that it, makes your definition. So he, here's <laughs> the deal. Um, when I was a child, I remember going into a store and stealing an, a small item. My mom and dad made me take it back, apologize to the store owner. I, I, you know what? Dude, you it, got in it, trouble. I, I got in some big trouble. <laughs> I stole. I was not a thief, but I did steal something. Now I will tell you that over the years, you know, I'm 35 years now, years old now. There have been times when I've been in a store or I've been in a location or I've seen something, and there was a very strong tendency and desire upon me to to take something that did not belong to me. But because I have that tendency, and I will, I will admit to you, I've stolen more, more than once in my life, okay? But I am still not a thief. Put your stuff in your
2: pockets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> is my wallet still here? Yes. Nice. <laughs> but, but, okay, I, before we go back to semantics and just saying, well, what do you mean by homosexual? What, but, but, what but is is assume, is? assume that you have that definition in your mind. Where, where does it stop? Let them join the church, let them attend the church, let them be baptized, let them be married, and let them be having clergy roles. Where does the- all those are the issues of homosexuality, at least in the, in the Methodist denomination. Those are all different things that we're, that we're wrestling with.
0: And what I wrestled with also is where, how much is there let them? How much authority do we have in the let them?
1: Well, once again, and, and I don't—I don't mean to, to to harp on the same thing again, but I think the definition has some validity in where we're going with this, and and, and not meaning to to be trivial, not meaning to—I to, really just you know, wanted to semantics. get out those different things. I just, wanted, yeah. That's all and I wanted. And, I, and I think the reason, because you know, I throw in another definition: alcoholic, mm-hmm. someone who's hasn't drank in ten years, who had a problem with alcoholism ten sure. years ago, still calls themselves. An alcoholic. Right, sure. Okay. And remember, these are just labels that we've put on. Society has determined this is the definition of this, this is the definition of that, this is the definition of homosexual, this is the definition of heterosexual, this is the definition of alcoholic. Sure. These are just definitions that we've come up with. I find it interesting that you won't find terms such as homosexual or heterosexual, either one, in the scriptures. Right, no. Because there was no feeling or desire or need to define people by their sexuality. Mm-hmm. In the scriptures, that's a that's a fairly new trend that we have is to try to define who people are by their sexuality. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a, a a part of our current society and our generation that we've come up with. Sure. So what we're talking about is, and, and, and whether you want to talk about homosexuality, whether you want to talk about some other uh, type of activity, we're talking about is this person participating in disobedience to God? Mm-hmm. And See, if that's a what it is, comes down exactly. to. If a person's actively participating without remorse, without repentance, in um, disobedience to God, they really are not going to make a good leader. Okay, so I'm I'm going to toss this one out there, and this one has been in, you know
0: rattling up inside the echoing of my brain from time to time. Uh, is this uh, concept of well, you know, some people will say a sin is a sin, but the there's the scripture that talks about don't cast judgment on your brother. Uh, For example, one person considers one day more holy than the rest, and the other considers each day equally uh, holy. Uh, And so um, it says, don't pass judgment on your weaker brother. Uh, And for him, you know, it, it, it may be okay for you. To uh, go and eat meat that's been sacrificed sure. because you understand that you know it, it you have a clear conscience, and that and that being the, the basis of in, in maybe some people's eyes of what is sin is this clear conscience before God, not clear conscience be, be, between you and other people who have what they believe is 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 okay between God. And you, and so basically the the idea here is that you have somebody who uh, it, it says, "If you eat meat sacrificed to idols, and it, and you do not see a sin in that, and your conscience is clear, you're good to go. but the scripture at the same time says, if one who has um, who uh, what's it say um, it says that if they struggle if they, if, they, um, if they doubt. And if they they're not sure if it's okay or if it if they have not been completely i, I need to look up the scripture it but, says basically to them it would be sin, but exactly it says listen mm-hmm. if you doubt you sin if you if, not if you doubt you sin but if you doubt mm-hmm. and you do it you sin because, it, that's what I meant yes, right. if you doubt and you do it anyway it basically if you feel god in your heart, if you feel God, god is not okay with this this is what God's telling me, and if you continue to do it, it's sin mm hmm so so then, all of a sudden, now do we come down to what is called relativity?
1: Well, I don't think so.
2: You're because- postmodernism, because you're the one who's deciding what is right and wrong in that situation, right? Because because and, and ultimately, we want to say God is the one that's working with us to to determine what's right and wrong. But other people would look at you and say, "Well, you're just you're just make you're just you are becoming so postmodern that you're defining what is truth mm-hmm. and you're defining what is right
1: and wrong and what right. is sin."
2: And that's that's the issue, Cliff. I mean,
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you know? exactly. And, and the the example that you used was one that is a little bit more arbitrary. Okay, eating meat to idols because some people would interpret that as uh, well. That means that you are supporting the idol. You are supporting the idol worship, which which you know Paul is saying no. Just because you're eating meat, because what what would happen in the the context or history of that was. Meat would be offered to idols. Then the marketer would come in and say, "Hey, this is good cheap meat. I'm going to buy it. And I'm going to sell it, and he would sell it to people. Right. Okay, and they would purchase it. All right. So you, you you wouldn't have to necessarily be participating in the eating of or, or participating in the support of the idol just because you ate the meat to the idol. Okay. Now the scripture is very clear that idol worship is a sin, and you can't hedge on that one. You can't hedge and say, "Well, you know, a little bit of idol worship here and there is not all that bad." <laughs> You can have debate and disagreement on whether or not eating meat that someone else has offered to an idol is a sin. Okay. But you can't debate whether, well, I think I'm going to go to idol church with uh, <laughs> my neighbor Bob and just uh, go ahead and participate in idol worship. No, you can't do that.
2: I worship my ancestors a little bit, then come back to And then come back the and Christian worship Christianity God.
1: a little yeah. bit. Yeah, exactly. So th- there's a differentiation between what is made clear as disobedience and things that are what may be in some people's mind as disobedience. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I, I'll tell you what,
0: I'm going to completely just change gears here. In fact, I'm going to see oh, if can, I,
2: can I say one, one thing? Really you quick. go right ahead. One of the speakers that was at this thing, uh, her name is Nadia bolts, Weber, uh, and bolts, B O L Z Weber. Uh, but anyway, she has a book that she wrote that's called salvation on the small screen. She's a Lutheran emerging Lutheran pastor in Denver, and uh, she's completely tatted up. And I mean, it's just it's it's obvious she had a life before she became a Lutheran pastor. And actually, she still has life afterwards. But anyway, she actually got tattoos after she was ordained. Go figure. <laughs> but anyway, she uh, she wrote this book called Salvation on the Small Screen. She used to be a comedian in the com- in the comedy circuit in Denver, but then she you know actually accepted Christ and stuff like that. She watched. 24 hours of tbn and she wrote a book about it (laughs) and it is hilarious i mean you can't i can't even express to you how funny it is Um, and she wanted to bash him the whole time but then she also she basically said i came to the realization that i have to still love the person and hate the bad theology is what she said (laughs) right but and she drops the f bomb in this. So I mean, if you if you're worried about language and stuff like that, then you're just going to be offended. You wouldn't be able to get it. You wouldn't be able to really appreciate it. But if you get past that, it is hilarious. And I want every one of my normal friends to read this book. I mean, All your normal is, friends. key tell, keep, tell Keith what your normal hilarious. friends are. Yeah, who are your normal uh, friends? well, normal people are, are people who are not Christ followers, because huh. uh, we're the insane ones.
0: He just calls them normal people, which I like. It's yeah. much better than heathen or. <laughs>
2: or seeker or, seeker yeah. or
0: all these other terms that yeah. are we recording two shows today I can't remember now yes I think well, so well we can yeah yeah. <laughs> I think we said we were so. so
2: anyway I just want to put that out there go go find salvation on the small screen, screen yeah. for well I'll tell you what we're going
0: to go ahead and wrap we, up this episode our sponsor
2: thank you yes go yes, ahead yes. what's our sponsor say our sponsor who is so gracious he says please pray for another church other than your own And that's all he has asked and requested. That's correct. In your your hometown, even though. Yeah, in your hometown. That's right. In your
0: hometown. It's it's basically reaching out and and understanding you know what, we need to quit focusing only on our differences and and really come together and bridge the gap. So uh, thank you. God bless you. Keith, thank you for joining us. Become a plus member. That's right. GSPN.tv slash plus.